Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 13th episode of Phoenix Feather Fantasy Book Reviews, brought to you by JustAnotherStrugglingWriter.com. My name is Carrie Cher, and I am Just Another Struggling Writer. Well, keen observers will notice that it has been a while since my last recording. I hit a major reading slump earlier this summer, and then after I came out of it, I just really struggled to feel inspired to continue recording. But I decided that I can't neglect this project I only just started a couple months ago. I am back. I've got a couple of new books to review for you, so you should be set for content for the next couple of weeks, I hope, barring any more lapses in uh, energy and motivation. But we didn't come here to talk about that. We came here to talk about books. And this next book that I am reviewing for you is a super popular, super well-known, much beloved entry in the genre. And oh boy, do I have thoughts. This book is actually a third chance read for me. Both times I tried to read it before, I fell out pretty early on. And I thought that I was just not going to ever read it or try it again, even though it is super popular and super well-known and super loved. I just couldn't get into it. But in the midst of my reading slump, I couldn't figure out what to read. I didn't really want to read anything, but I knew I needed to. And so I went into my library. I maintain an Excel spreadsheet of all of the books that I own and have them. they all have a number assigned. And so I went to a random number generator online and just let fate decide what I was going to read. And of course, it was this book. And I was just like so flabbergasted because I tried this twice before and I didn't delete it out of my Kindle in case for whatever reason I needed to reference it or if I ever changed my thoughts and wanted to give it yet another go around. And this time I was absolutely determined to finish it. Absolutely dead set. I was not going to be put off yet again, especially when it was so clear that the universe needed me to read this book. And that book is, of course, Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. You know it. You probably love it. It is a absolute smash hit. It has something like 800,000 reviews on Goodreads. Everyone knows it. Even if you're not like a huge fan of the genre or the writer, you know it. it. Like I said, it's just so popular. The other series in this universe, the Grishaverse, Shadow and Bone has its own Netflix series and there are crossover characters. So again, super popular, super loved. And I knew I wasn't going to get away with not finishing it this time around. So without further ado, let's just get straight into the review. First, the synopsis. Ketterdom, a bustling hub of international trade where anything can be had for the right price, and no one knows that better than criminal prodigy Kaz Brecker. Kaz is offered a chance at a deadly heist that can make him rich beyond his wildest dreams, but he can't pull it off alone. A convict with a thirst for revenge. A sharp sh- a s- Why is this word so hard? A sharpshooter who can't walk away from a wager. A runaway with a privileged past. A spy known as the Wraith, a heartrender using her magic to survive the slums, a thief with a gift for unlikely escapes. Six dangerous outcasts, one impossible heist. Kaz's crew is the only thing that might stand between the world and destruction if they don't kill each other first. All right, so let's get the elephant in the room out of the way first. Um, I have said before, and I will repeat it over and over and over, I don't like YA, just in general. 
And it's nothing against the age category and it's nothing against people who love it and read it and write it. It's just not for me. I felt at age 19 when Deathly Hallows came out that I had already aged out of the genre. I already felt too old for that kind of story. And that is true. That is still true today. You give me a story about teenagers and no matter how good the story is, I just don't feel as compelled. Sorry, not sorry. That's just my taste. And that is the main reason why I struggled so much to get into this book the first couple of times. The first time I opened it, I didn't realize it was a YA. This was years and years ago. And I was back in that stage where I was just buying books willy-nilly and not really even looking at their synopses or their age categories. I was just looking at the title, looking at the cover and being based on the algorithm saying, oh, it's a fantasy and just buying it. So I open this book and I read the first chapter and I'm like, wow, this is super juvenile. And I wasn't really feeling it. And I think as I got into the second chapter and I realized that Kaz was 17 or however old he is, I was like, oh, this is YA. That's why I'm not really feeling it. It's just the storytelling and the voice is super juvenile. And that's just, again, not for me. So I closed it. I put it down. I said, not for me. And of course, at that time, I didn't realize like how big it was, how well beloved it was, and how much of a presence it would have in the community and the genre. So I put it aside. I said, no, not for me, whatever. I came back to it like a year, maybe two years later and tried it again because this time I was aware of its presence and how big it was. And everyone was raving about it saying, even if you don't like YA, you have to read it, yada, yada, yada. So I tried it again. I made it to like 13% that time and I put it down again. Same reasons. So this third time when I picked it up, I knew I just had to power through and just get into the meat of the plot because I was hoping that the plot would be good enough to kind of impel me beyond those things I was struggling with. And ultimately it did. I still had the same problems I did as before, but I I made it through to the end. And I'm glad I did because now I can say that I read it. And you might be wondering... Carrie, if you don't like YA and you didn't like the the voice this book was written in because it was so juvenile, how can you possibly grade it fairly based on those preferences? And I can't. I am going to be grading this on a curve because I know that this style isn't for me and yet I read it anyway. And so I'm not going to be rating it based on my feelings about the voice and the age of the characters. I'm just going to be trying to rate it on the quality of the writing, the quality of the story, and that sort of thing. But I am going to critique some things about these characters and their age and the voice, but I won't be factoring that into my rating at the end. So as you heard in the synopsis, we have a impossible heist as the backdrop for this story. And we are introduced to a team of characters who are kind of living on the fringes of society. They live in this kind of city state that is mercantile and they there's a big criminal underbelly and run by gangs and all of that. And the main character, one of the main characters is Kaz Brecker, and he kind of worked his way up through one of the gangs to be one of the most well-known and most feared gang leaders. He's not really the gang leader, but he's the face of the gang. And so he's kind of like a gang leader. And he's 
got a reputation for being really, really ruthless and really, really clever and just like impossible to outsmart. And he is approached by a wealthy merchant to retrieve a person from the most heavily guarded prison in the world because this person is capable of creating a drug that drives the magic users in this world totally crazy, super addictive. It enhances their magic abilities beyond anything anyone has ever seen before. And they pretty much become husks because they are so desperate for the drug. And so obviously it's very dangerous and they want this out of the hands of, you know, people who could abuse it. So Kaz is hired to go into this prison, get this guy out. So my first big critique of Six of Crows is that although the writing voice is juvenile and appropriate for teenagers, I don't feel like this story was about teenagers. Yes, all of the main characters are teenagers and underage. However, the story doesn't really support that. Kaz could have been 25, and that would not have made a single lick of difference to the story. Inej could have been 25. You wouldn't be able to tell. You know, and on and on and on. And it just really bothered me that these teenagers were at the top of the game. And I would buy that if that was kind of like a universal characteristic of the setting, But like Kaz is routinely outwitting and outsmarting men three times his age, people who have been in the game much longer than him, but he is still like feared and known and, you know, smarter than and better than all of these people. And I just had a real problem with that. It just, I I had a hard time believing that his six years or whatever of experience doing this was enough to make him that capable of doing all of this sort of thing, breaking into the most secure prison in the world and busting a dude out and like a wealthy merchant in a seat of government hiring him for this. I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. I just don't. And the fact that his age is entirely cosmetic just kind of fed into that feeling. So I remember thinking this when I tried to read this the first couple of times is that this story felt aged down to fit into YA because YA is such a book mover. It is so popular. People love reading and writing YA. And it felt like this story was deliberately aged down for that. I changed my mind on that because, like I said, Lee Bardugo's voice in this book is very juvenile, but I still don't understand. There's still this dissonance between the writing voice and just the behavior of the characters and their capabilities and their reputation and all of that. They just don't jive together. And it was really, really cumbersome for me to get over that as I was reading. And it just, it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse throughout it. So that's my first big critique The second big critique I have of this book is Kaz is too perfect. He's too good. He's just so, you know, just unflappable and he's always outsmart and he thinks of everything and he is always one step ahead of everyone. He's always got a plan for everything. And when things go wrong, he immediately thinks of something else. And I was probably 40% of the way through the book, maybe actually probably less, probably like 30%. And I remember thinking, if this book doesn't end without Kaz having some sort of huge wake-up call being knocked down a peg, I would be seriously disappointed. And I'll get more into it in the spoiler section, but I really don't feel like that happened. 
My third big critique of this book was the POV character of Matthias was very disturbing to read for me. Matthias has a tumultuous relationship with another, another member of the crew, Nina. She is a witch and he is a witch hunter. Basically, that's the dynamic. And it's like religious fervor. And he was raised to hate her kind and her people. And they have had some sort of thing happen to them where they were able to bond. And then she betrayed him. And in the first several chapters in his POV, he enumerates many times how much he wants to kill her. In fact, when he first interacts with her in the story, he immediately tries to choke her to death. And for me, that shit's not cute. It's not romantic. I don't like it. I didn't like reading it. I was very, very uncomfortable reading those POV chapters. And even though it got better later on and they resolved their differences, yada, 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 whatever, I just still couldn't get over the fact that I, in my head, I'm just like, people find this shit romantic? This is not romantic. I don't know about you, but if I ever want to literally murder my partner like that, if I ever like physically put my hands around his neck and I'm squeezing until, you know, trying to choke the life out of him, I feel, I'm going to, I'm going to turn myself into jail. Okay. Cause there's nothing cute about that. There's nothing romantic about it. It's fucked up. And I did not like it. And lastly, my last big critique of this book is that I did not like the structure of starting the story and then interspersing background story for each of the characters. Well, not each of them, but Nina and Matthias and Kaz and Nedge. I, I didn't care for that. It really bogged it down. It Anytime the story would pick up momentum, it would just slow down like molasses. I mean, I really don't care, to be honest with you. I don't care about any of their backstories. I care about what's happening now. I, I don't know. It just felt kind of amateurish in, in terms of writing style. I really hated it. Just like like I said, I, I was just trying to get through the end because I was struggling so much with the voice and just like the, you know, everything else I've talked about. I really just wanted to get through the end and I was relying on the plot carrying me to the end. But any time there was any sort of momentum, I would get this background information about how Nina and Matthias were in a shipwreck and they saved each other and they helped each other survive and get back to civilization and Kaz's whole like backstory and how he became a criminal and all of that and I just didn't care. I don't care how they got here. I care about where they're going now. And it's just, it, it just, it really made the first, I think they finally cut that shit out um, at like the 60% mark. And, and that was when I finally like rode downhill to the end and was able to finally finish it in one go. But like up until that point, anytime I would have a break to see what was going on in the characters' backstories, I literally stopped reading and had to like work up the energy to come back to it. I, I really did not care for that writing style. And I'm in the middle of a book right now that is doing the same thing. And I'm just like, bitches, cut that shit out. Nobody cares about the backstory. If it's that interesting, make it part of the story. If it's uh, anyway, that's just my opinion. If you're stopping the action to describe what is happening in the past, you've lost me. You've lost me completely. You, I, I feel like a story should build in momentum and tension. And every time you go backwards, you're literally going backwards. Why do you want a story to go backwards? Anyway, that's just a personal opinion. I really didn't care for it. And so that is my fourth and last big critique of this book. There were obviously some good things. The story is compelling. You know, obviously a heist is compelling. 
the reason behind the heist is compelling, the place where they went to to break him out of jail, compelling, the setting, compelling. I love all of that. So there was real potential here, but like just the the youthfulness of the characters, the juvenile voice, the really kind of disturbing POV characters, and like the breaks and momentum just really killed it for me. The one bright spot in this book for me was Inedge. She is a young woman who was kidnapped from her family of acrobats and tumblers uh, in kind of like a circus style setting. And so she's very, very athletic, very acrobatic, able to kind of perform these feats of balance and athleticism that is unique to her crew and has given her a big reputation in the criminal underworld. I just loved her. I was rooting for her the most out of everyone. Just her arc was the most believable and actually was the only one of the only POV characters to have actual growth. So I, 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 I just really, really loved her. I, I was so... I was rooting for her. I wanted her to get what she wanted. I wanted her to succeed in the end. I wanted her to get her happy ending. And I feel like that is a good place to stop and go into the spoiler section. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll get back into it. For those of you who don't want spoilers, but still want to hear my final rating and the preview for next week, you could skip ahead to the 23 minute, six second mark to hear the rest. So from a storytelling perspective, it actually makes perfect sense to me that Inej, the one character who had real tangible growth as a person throughout the story, the one character who had goals beyond their little gang of thieves, the one character who I felt was the most well-rounded and like made the most sense as a real person, would be the one who gets kidnapped and have all of those dreams potentially shattered at the end of the book. I mean, don't get me wrong, I hate it because it's once again using the female character as motivation for the male character, and also because now I have to read the second book. But in terms of her having a goal to leave the gang, to take her share of the cut, and leave, and go and become a a person who hunts down slave traders because she herself was a captured slave... Yes, that makes sense to me narratively. I still don't have to like it, though. And to my point about Kaz getting knocked down a peg, the fact that his only like mistake that he really made throughout the book was loving Inej too much, and that love being what is what makes her the target. I'm sorry, that's fucking bullshit. I hated this ending. I hated it so much. I mean, I... Like I said, narratively, it makes total sense. And I I think Lee Bardugo would probably be happy or at least satisfied that I hate it so much because at least I'm feeling something. And at least I'm compelled to read the second one because my favorite character, I need need her to have closure and I won't get it (laughs) unless I read the second book. But like I said, I just hated it. I hated it so much. I hated that Kaz once again was so perfect and had everything thought of and knew everything and had it all planned out. But his only downfall was that he just loved and had so much and the bad guys were able to pick up on it and target her. I'm just, I'm sorry. That pisses me off. Kaz Brecker is too perfect. Kaz Brecker is too good. Kaz Brecker 
has no faults except loving an edge too much. And yes, I know there are other faults here, but this is the only one that ultimately matters in the end. I also really, really hated the romance subplot between Matthias and Nina. The development felt unearned, even though Lee Bardugo plied me with their backstory ad nauseum, even though I didn't want it. Even with that context, I still didn't feel like it was believable. I still didn't feel like it was earned. He went from literally choking the life out of her in their first interaction in the book to him basically swearing an oath of fealty to love and protect her for the rest of her life at the end. And I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Even like I said, there was potential there. I I really enjoyed in Nina's perspectives, how she kept thinking of him as a good person who was brainwashed and kind of destroyed from the inside out by his religion and his country. And, and to think, you know, because he's thinking that people with magic are like evil and less than human, I get all that, but because our attention is so divided amongst all the characters and we're getting all this, these different POV shifts and so much fucking backstory, I just didn't have time to care about it and Lee Bardugo didn't have time to really get into the meat of that and explore that deeper, which I would have liked. If you want me to go with you on this journey with Nina and Matthias, I would have needed that. And I just didn't, you know, over the course of less than a week, like two weeks, he went from, again, wanting to kill her, like obsessing about killing her to almost getting down on one knee and proposing. I just, I'm I'm just not there with it. I'm just not. And I was so disturbed by those opening POV chapters from him about her that I could never fully embrace the romance to begin with. And so the ending also just felt super unearned and not out of nowhere. Like I knew that would be the case. I knew they were going to like overcome their differences and, but whatever. I just, I didn't care for it. I was kind of interested in Nina's ending, um, taking the drug to get them out of the situation and facing a lifetime of addiction, possibly damaging irreparably her health because of one dose. You know, I hate that for her. I get it, though. It made it made sense for her character. I'm interested to see what may happen to her in the next one. Let's see who else. Jesper, I was, you know, I liked Jesper in general, um, but I felt like his POV chapters were entirely unnecessary. It felt like just a token comic relief character and that I really didn't care. I liked him as a character. I did not need him um, to have his own perspective chapters. What else? I think that's really about it. It's it's unusual that the uh, spoiler section is not as long as the spoiler-free section. But in this case... You know, it's a heist book. What else do you need to know? And just the ending, like, I was so, I hated it so much. And I hated even more that it convinced me to read the second book. I haven't yet because I like to take time between, between series entries, but I will be reading it eventually just because I need to know what's going on with my beloved and edge. So those are my thoughts. I confess that when I first finished this book two weeks ago, I thought I would give it higher marks than I did today. And I think maybe sitting with my feelings 
was probably a mistake because when I first finished it, I was riding the high of the of the ending being so infuriatingly compelling. But now after sitting with it for a couple of weeks, I'm just reminded of all the things that I really, really struggled with and really, really didn't like. And those are the things that stick out to me the most, even more than the feeling of wanting to read the next book. So again, as I said, I'm not docking points for the juvenile voice and the age of the characters, even though I don't feel like they were age appropriate because, you know, people read YA, people love YA, and that's just fine. And this is probably a a fine example of good YA. I just don't like YA. So I'm not knocking points for that. But everything else, I really feel like really, really drowned any sort of goodwill I had for this book, save for the ending, which again, I hated, but I still will read the second one because of it. So all told, I am going to be giving Six of Crows two and a half stars rounded up to three on Goodreads. I'm sorry to have been so harsh for what I know is a well-beloved, well-respected, very famous and popular book in the genre, but it just wasn't for me, friends. It just wasn't. There was real potential there, and I might have liked it if it was like an adult, a, a, a book written specifically for adults with an adult voice and with an adult length and more care and attention paid to the way that the story was structured. And we were given more time to kind of explore some of the themes, but it wasn't, and so I didn't. And that's just about it for me this week. I am so excited to say that I am officially out of my reading slump and I have a lot of books that I am excited to read and review for you guys. The one I'll be reviewing for you next week is the second installment in the Starial series, The Prince of Secrets. Here's the synopsis. See you next week. Well-bred women should not be seen kissing their butlers, even when the butler in question is secretly a fey prince. Wynne knows falling for Hedda Valstar is a bad idea. She's not only human, but the new magically bonded ruler of Starial Estate. If their relationship gets out, it'll cause a scandal that could ruin their attempts to sort out the estate's crumbling finances. And it doesn't help that Starial has decided it doesn't like him. But more than jealous sentient estates and Hedda's good name are at stake, Wynne's past is coming back to bite him. Ten years ago, he broke an oath and shattered the power of his home court, and the Fae have been hunting him ever since. Now they've found his hiding place. They won't rest until he's dead or the debt is repaid, and they don't play nicely. Carrie Share is an aspiring fantasy writer, content creator, and the mind behind justanotherstrugglingwriter.com. You can find her online on Twitter at... Carrie underscore share on Instagram at just another struggling writer and on Patreon, Ko-Fi and Redbubble at Carrie share. That's Carrie K E R R Y share like sharing with a friend.